Hi there, I'm Danny Flexen, and welcome to the latest edition of Seconds Out Reflections. We're here every Monday, 4.30pm, to reflect on what's going on in the boxing world right now. And I don't know if it's the ongoing restrictions um, because of the coronavirus pandemic, or if, you know, people are just bored generally. But what's going on in the world at the moment seems to have a lot of boxers behaving rather erratically. And not just the usual suspects, the likes of, you know, Adrian Broner, Billy Joe Saunders, to name just a couple but some you wouldn't necessarily expect it from. Just last week, we had Terence Crawford seeming to allege that COVID-19 was some wild conspiracy, um, something that Lou DiBella, if you've seen tonight's DiBella's Digest, or sorry, last night's DiBella's Digest, wasn't too impressed with, I think it's fair to say. Um, but while he may have, Crawford may have thought that he'd said the wackiest or most um, attention-grabbing thing that any boxer was going to say in the last couple of weeks, Devin Haney was probably, you know, hold my beer. Or actually, he's probably not old enough to drink yet, is he, out in America? So, hold my sponsor-provided protein drink or whatever. Haney decided it would be a good idea to repeat or maybe make fun of. It depends on the context you, you want to believe he said it in. Um, Bernard Hopkins' age-old um, comments to Joe Calzaghe before their fight that he would never lose to a white boy. Um, Haney was on a podcast talking about um, fighting eventually against Vasily Lomachenko um, at lightweight and decided that he too um, would never lose to someone of Caucasian extraction. Um, true or false, you know, apparently he's lost to quite a few white guys in the amateurs, but maybe he meant never again. You know, I don't want to hold him to his words verbatim. But either way, it probably wasn't the smartest thing to say. He's had an altercation with Hopkins before, um, Haney, so it's possible that he meant it as kind of a a bit of a dig, maybe even an homage, who knows. Um, but it's just a very strange thing to say. Uh, beating Lomachenko is a huge ask in itself, but to say you're going to go the rest of your career without ever losing to someone who's white, <laughs> a lot of boxers are white, um, it's a bit of a big thing to say. Why not just say you're going to go through your whole career unbeaten? Um, but it just led to a bit of a strange trail of events. I mean, Haney was unsurprisingly castigated across social media. Um, a lot of people calling him a racist, which led to... Him apologising on social media, also having a conversation with uh, Maurizio Suleiman, apparently the president of the WBC, where he apologised and clarified his position. It's interesting because Haney, I believe, has only just been reinstated as WBC lightweight champion, having been champion in recess before he was injured. And he could have been like the shortest title reign in history if Maurizio Suleiman had then stripped him um, almost straight away for making really ill-judged comments. I mean, Haney's still very young. And I don't put it against him too harshly. I certainly don't feel personally offended by it. I'm a white boy that he could 120% beat any day of the week and twice on Sundays. But I can understand why some people would have been offended because, you know, it might be typical whataboutery. But you do have to think if um, a white boxer had said it about someone who was black or, or any other minority in the same context, it probably would have caused a huge stir. And I don't think people would have been discussing whether that person was racist or not. I think it would have been outright claimed. So there is an issue there. And um, Sam Jones, the manager of Joe Joyce, made some comments about it, basically in support of Haney, not in support of what he said, but just defending him because he's young and you know he, wasn't, he didn't mean it the way it was, was kind of reported. Um, and Anthony Fowler then responded to that by saying he thought there was no real excuse for it. It was a racist comment to make, a position that I have all sympathy for. Um, but then as their conversation between Jones and Fowler developed, Fowler put a picture up of his last fight and said something like, it's just like if I said, um, 
the last guy I fought, oh, I'll never lose to a black boy in ice skates because the last guy he fought had all fit in boxing boots and was sliding all over the ring. It was quite funny at the time. It's still quite funny now, I imagine, if you watch it back. But I'm going off on a tangent. Um, so Fowler kind of used that comment to expose the fact that Haney's original comment was racist. And I understand why he did it. I think most people understood it. Then <laughs> O'Hara Davis, who's now shy of controversy himself, decided to quote tweet Fowler's comment and say, yeah, this is what he really thinks, or something along those lines. This is what he's really feeling. I can't remember the exact words, partly because I blocked um, O'Hara Davis a little while ago when I made a joke based on Ty and Booth's videos that he didn't find funny and went on a three or four tweet tirade against me and he even said my articles were rubbish, which is a bit annoying because three or four of them have been about him. But, you know, maybe he's right, who knows. But that aside, again, more tangents, he then said, yeah, this is how he's really feeling, trying to allege that Fowler was actually a racist and he'd used the Haney opportunity, if you like, to um, express his true feelings, something that seems absolutely ridiculous. However, rubbed Fowler up the wrong way. Fowler then responded by saying, first defending himself and saying it was taken out of context, which is fine. But then basically offering O'Hara Davis out in a car park at the next matchroom show. Which, if it's going to happen, I would love to see it. I think they should add it to the pay-per-view, make it the chief support. But still have it in a car park with no referee. And have it like last man standing rules in WWE. So whoever can't rise by the count of 10, fights over. I would love to see that. And I know a lot of fans out there, you know, I like um, Fowler. I even like Davis, or at least until he started hating me. Um... But just seeing them two go at it in a car park, just yeah, take my money, Eddie Hearn. Hate to give you ideas, to be honest, but yeah, take my money. But yeah, it just shows that the comments made by Haney, and I don't want to make light of them too much, had kind of a ripple effect. And it seems to be, you know, I don't know who's going to be next. Someone's bound to like jump on the bandwagon and have a go at Davis next, and then it'll go from there. I think all of it leads back to the fact that boxers, not just bored in isolation at the moment, but need to get those column inches and keep their profile high and keep the momentum going, even though they can't fight, they can't train. And they're not really, you know, they're only having a few interviews here and there, whether on podcasts, on Skype, like we're doing a lot of, and that kind of thing. So maybe some of them are saying things they wouldn't normally say and behaving out of character for that reason. I'm not defending what you said at all, but, you know, you can understand why this isolation is now getting to people who are used to being in the public eye and also used to keeping busy training two, three times a day and they need something to occupy their time, all I would say to Devin Haney is, that's probably not it. You know, go find a hobby, take up needlework, I don't know, but not that. Um, but as for Fowler and Davis, if that comes off, love to see it. More of that. More, more beef between fighters on Twitter, if it leads to actual fights, would be great. I don't think we're going to see Fowler and Davis who are separated by two weight divisions in the ring anytime soon, though, unfortunately. But that's my big reflection on the week, which... Depending on how you look at it, it probably underlines the fact that very little is going on at the moment. But hey, it amused me. I hope it amuses you. Let me know what you think of the whole, I don't know what you call it, hate triangle, perhaps, um, below. And I'll respond to some of the comments. I really appreciate the time, as always. Be back next week for Reflections, 4.30pm Monday. And Flexpectations this Thursday, 4.30pm. Really appreciate it. See you soon.
Mrs. Andy Peral for Boxing Social in association with Betfred, and I'm joined by Paul Butler on Zoom. Paul, firstly, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Thanks. How yourself? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. All good. Obviously, good to hear you're doing well yourself. How how are you finding lockdown? How is life with your missus at the minute? Do you know what? It's not too bad to be honest. I'm trying to keep myself active and and do stuff, especially around the house. Sadie's still working. She's working from home. She has been pretty much before the lockdown as well. To be honest, they uh, they sent most of their staff home and they're working from home. So she's got stuff to do. It's just <laughs> I'm doing most of the housework and, and trying to keep fit as well. What's it been like? You mentioned keeping keeping fit. What's it been like trying to train from home? What exactly have you and haven't you been able to do? Um, at the moment, all I've been doing is running and a little bit of groundwork with our because I'm one of the amateur coaches from where, where I first started, which is used to be Vauxhall Motors, it's now Whittle CP. Um, so we've been doing quite a bit of training on, on an app, well, this app called Zoom. Um, we all we all join into it. Uh, there was 19 of us yesterday, so all the 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds and some of the seniors are joining in and we're getting a circuit done. Or thirty, forty minute circuit just keeps keeps them active and it keeps us active as well and gives you something to do during the day. How difficult has it been for yourself with regards to training, not being able to go to a gym and not being able to let your hands go and, and everything around a gym environment? That that's been the hard thing to be honest. Um, not being in the gym with the lads and and having a laugh and and hitting things, man. I just I haven't hit nothing for. Well, since I was last in the gym, it must be four weeks or, so, or something now, and I haven't hit a thing. Um, that's what I'm finding the hardest, not hitting anything. I've, I've, I've been on the phone to my sponsors ringside, and they've sent me some pads out and, and a shield. But Sade can't really hold them for me. Um, I hold them for her. She trains herself, and I, she does some pads, and, and I hold the shield up for her. She's... She's actually pretty good, to be honest, but I can't hit it myself, so that's the thing I'm missing. But I've got a, um, a boxing bob, one of them human things coming today. One of my mates is lending me that, which is good of him. Um, so I'm going to borrow that today and, and crack on with that for a few weeks. At least I've got something to punch them. Boxing's a short career. With what's going on at the minute, how much more frustration has this added to maybe yourself when you was... Looking to push on over his next, I don't know, I don't know how long obviously you have or you want to have left in the sport, but how, how much more frustration has this added to a period of time where you haven't had the luck with regards to trying to get certain fights over the past couple of years? Yeah, no, it, well, we, we were literally on the verge of a day or two away from announcing a big fight, a title fight. Um, that's the hard thing for me because of literally right on the on the brink of Joe had sent me the posters and everything he said just don't put them out yet I've got got a few things to sort um so that that's the frustrating thing that I had a big type like it would have been what date we are now like the 15th or something uh, 16th 16th yeah they had been boxing for a, for a title next week or the week after which is it's frustrating but Listen, it, everyone's in the same boat. Every boxer's in the same boat. Um, it's not just me. We're all having to deal with it. But, uh, yeah, very frustrating and, and tough to take. But 
like I say, we're, we're all in the same boat. I mean, with the fight itself, any details you can give us about who it was or where it would have been? Um, I, I, as far as I know, I think it'd have been in my hometown here. Um, I can't really say the opponent because I don't want to spoil it for when this lockdown is all over and we can all get back in the gym and then hopefully it can be announced. I'm not sure if Joe spoke to their team. Me, me knowing Joe, I should imagine Joe would have ticked all them boxes and and had it sorted. Um, I know what Joe's like and it's a good fight for me. Um, a fight to get me right back in the mix. So, yeah, I should imagine Joe sorted all that and, and, and we should be ready to go as soon as all this lockdown and stuff's out the way. Where, where do things stand with this fight that you're talking about then contractually? You know, is, is the expectation that it will all still go ahead when everything's back to some sense and some form of normality or will the contracts have to be redrafted? What's your understanding? I haven't really spoke to Joe about it, to be honest with you, but I, sh I should do. Um, I'm just guessing and I'm being, me, know, me knowing Joe that I should imagine that He'd have had it all boxed and he's come to some agreement with them. But, yeah, um, a new contract had been signed, but I'm sure they'd have been signed for this date, what I was talking about, in a week or two. So I'm sure contracts will have to be sent out again, but it wouldn't surprise me if Joe's already done that. I mean, obviously, I can imagine how frustrating that'll be for you having to wait to fight, have this fight for the title, but... With that also in mind, has he given you a bit more time with regards to being able to prepare for who he is, looking at footage of him, how he works and everything that comes with the preparations in the build-up to a fight? I, I was pretty much doing that anyway. I was flying in the gym and I knew I'd watched enough of him. Um, I was training well, I was fit, I was sharp, I was literally just about to start my sparring. Um, and then all this happened, but there's not much I can really do. Like you say, I can sit and I can watch footage of him. Um, but but I knew what I was doing anyway. It's, it's not like I'm new to the sport or anything. I'd, I'd watched enough of him to... And so, same with Joe. Joe and, and Crawler. Uh, they'd both watched enough of him in the gym. So game plan was set. We, we were ready and we were just about to announce it, like I say. But... All this has come crashing down on us. Just before lockdown, what was kind of Joe's instructions with regards to how you all needed to kind of work around what's going on at the minute to get the best out of a bad situation? Um, well, I'm sure him and Johnny, our strength and conditioner, um, had, a, had a chat and, and Johnny sent us all home workouts to do. Uh, and if we've got weights or we've got a bag or we've got anything like any sort of equipment at home, um, he's altered it to, to, you know, so we we can all work on on that. Um, other than that, it's just basically running, doing your groundwork, uh, body weight exercises, just stuff like that. Really, just trying to stay as active as as possible. There's only so much running you can do, though. It gets boring. Like I, I've been running, and my knees are shot off it. <laughs> um, the but I have been running like eight miles, uh, an hour and ten minutes, an hour. Um, it's not just like me, me, me average forty minutes. What I do if I'm if I'm in a training camp, and sometimes I'll well, 
most of the week I'll do sprints. Um, once a week I'll do, I'll do a long distance run, which is 40, 45 minutes. Nothing too too big. Uh, but now I've been running like an hour and ten, an hour, hour and five. Just keep gets you out the house and gives you something to do. I mean, just just to move away from yourself and on to some of your campmates, starting off with Callum Smith. Callum was obviously one of the names being mentioned for a possible fight with Canelo. By all accounts, Canelo had agreed to fight Billy Joe and was kind of signed off there, but they hadn't formally announced it because when they wanted to, all of this happened. What was Callum's reaction to? What kind of conversations, if anything, did you have with him? Yeah, the only re- real conversation I had with Callum was it hadn't officially been announced, but it was all over social media that Billy Joe had got the fight with Canelo. And I just went in and I said, is it, is it true that Billy Joe's got the fight? And he said, it looks like that's who Canelo's picture. Um, and that was it, really. He, he was obviously gutted because I'd personally watched him train for weeks and weeks. Because it, it, Callum's a perfectionist and, and so is Joe. So... For them to just by chance not be training for Canelo and then just by chance Canelo picks them, they've only got like six to eight weeks to then train for Canelo um, would have been silly of them. So for weeks and weeks and weeks, I've just watched them going through drills and tactics and just stuff that they've, they've seen, obviously against like, you, you Kovalev, he struggled against Kovalev, and Kovalev's an old man. If if Callum was in there with, with Kovalev, he took him out of him six to eight rounds, and and he wouldn't have struggled as much as Canelo did. Canelo just couldn't seem to to get past his long his long jab, his long backhand. But don't get me wrong, he he's a middleweight really. Canelo, um, he's gone up to light heavy and knocked out the crusher that that's dominated for years and years and years. So you've got to give him credit there. But I've watched Callum for weeks and weeks, like I've said, and it's a shame for him not to get the fight. And I'm sure he'd have been gutted himself. Well, I know he'd have been gutted. What are your thoughts on Billy Joe versus Canelo? Obviously, he may, you don't know if it will happen or not now. Uh, because Billy Joe has his own situation going on with being having his uh, licence suspended and... There were some rumours that Canelo wanted to face Golovkin in September for their trilogy bout. But if Canelo Billy Billy Joe Saunders did happen, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I think he troubles Canelo early on, first three, four rounds. But I think Canelo starts pushing the feet in. And I think he targets the body the first half of the fight. Slows the feet down of Billy Joe and I think he gets to him late on. Um, With Billy Joe being the smaller well, the smaller out of the super middles, I think that's why he's picked him, to be honest. Um, doesn't carry as much power as, as, as any of the others. Um, I, I, he's probably got the best movement out of the lot of them, but like I say, I think, I think that's why he'll target the body the first half of the fight. Um, pretty much like what he'd done with Khan, he, he just timed him, timed him, timed him, and then got to him. Get, a thought, get your thoughts on a couple of other campmates as well. Uh, Hosea Burton, he was one of the first guys who was affected by lockdown. His, his fight and the MTK uh, Global Golden Contract semi-finals was postponed during the week of 
the announcements that everything was going into lockdown or isolation or what have you. What was, your, what was Jose's reaction to it all and how good were you for him that he didn't get the chance to, to fight in the semi-finals? Uh, I've got it for Oath because, I've, again, I've watched him train and spar for, for months um, and this is his big chance. He's had 20-odd fights now and he's lost one and he only lost that in the last minute of the last round. Um, but I suppose that's why there's 36 minutes in the fight. Um, but yeah, really, really gutted for him. Like I say, this is his big chance to get to get back back out there and, and box for major titles because he's a proper, proper talent. He, he, he can bang, he can move, he can box on the front foot, back foot. Um, and he can fight as well. I've watched him in some wars in the gym. He can fight. Um, so, yeah, I think this contract was made for him. Like, he took out the second fab in, in the first first round in the, in the quarterfinals. And um, don't get me wrong, the, the next two opponents he gets are going to be tough, but I think they're all pretty much tailor-made for him. They're all smaller and they all come forward. That's why none of them wanted to pick off in the first when they first had the chance. Um, he was last, him and uh, Bob Adjusaf, wasn't it? The last two. Um, so yeah, I just think everyone's pretty much made for for Ofen in, in the next two fights that he gets. And obviously Callum Johnson as well. I spoke to Callum a few days ago. Now he's kind of all well, the days have submerged into one. But um, what what is um, what are your thoughts on a possible Callum Johnson versus Joshua Bawatsi fight? I spoke to Callum and he said Eddie Hearn keeps on kind of mentioning that possible fight. What are your thoughts on it if it was to happen? I think it's a great fight. Like, I rate Bawatsi. I think he's brilliant. I think he's one of our best prospects in the country. And I think he'll go on to do big, big things. But Callum Johnson's all wrong for him. Um all wrong for him. I think Boatzi likes to, to fight in the pocket. Not so much long range, not dead short. He just likes that in the pocket. Um, and he's very good at it. But Callum Johnson's defence is, is good in the pocket. Uh, and, w- and when you fight at close to mid-range with Callum and he tags you, he's going to work you and he's going to take you out. Um, I think he was... I think if Callum had that chance against better be again, He'd jump on it. Um, once he dropped him, he should have jumped all over him. But I think when he did drop him, I think he thought, well, what's going on here? That This isn't meant to happen. And I think he sort of, not froze so much, but like I say, he just, he just didn't know, oh God, this that, that's not meant to happen, <laughs> what I've just done. Um, but I think if he had that chance again, he'd jump all over him and he'd stop better be but him and Boatsy would be an absolute cracker, yeah. Um, but I do think Callum Johnson's all wrong for him. I think Callum stops him at this at this stage in the careers. Just to move away from your camp and your team and get your thoughts on a few other fights which had been announced but obviously once again postponed. Joshua Pulev, that was announced before its suspension or postponement, I should say. What what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think it's a good fight. I think everyone not many of the British public um, outside the boxing fans know who Pulev is, but he's a good fighter. Um, get, getting on a bit now, I think, but 
yeah, he's a, he's a top fighter. He was a top amateur. Um, it had been a good fight for five, six rounds, but I think AJ just started pulling away, and I think that's when AJ just really put his foot to the to the gas and and probably stopped him from six onwards. Uh, pretty much like the Andy Ruiz, the second one. He he'll box and he'll box smart and he'll box through instructions, and um, I think after six, that's when he he'll put his foot down and and, and take him out. So you just mentioned Andy Ruiz there. He's come out and said, you know, he's obviously looking for a new trainer. He'd love to possibly work with Eddie Reynoso. He wants to have one fight back and then look at a Luis Ortiz fight. What are your thoughts on Andy Ruiz Jr. versus Luis Ortiz, if that was to happen? Good fight. Really, really good fight. I rate Ortiz massively. I think he's the best out of the heavyweights that, that's not a world champion. Um, obviously... Wilder's been twice, so we're taking Wilder out of the equation there. Other than Wilder, I think he's the best heavyweight out there without a Titan. Um, age isn't really on his side, but he can fight. He's really good. He's talented. Southpaw. If them two was to fight and he had me last five, I'd stick it on Ortiz. Um, I like Ortiz. I like him a lot. I think if he was in the shape he was against... Wilder the second time, I think he wins that fight. Um, I rate him. I just think age. That that's the only thing with Ortiz. It's just his age. No one really knows what his age is. I don't think. I think he's more like fifty-five than than forty. Um, I don't know how old he says he is, but uh, yeah, I just, I just think that's a top fight. I just think his feet are, are going to be a lot slower than than Joshua's in the second fight. I think that's the only thing. What's on? Ortiz's, uh, sorry, what's his name? Uh, Ruiz's side that his feet are a lot slower than than Joshua's, and he'll stand in the pocket a bit more. Ortiz, but I, I do fancy uh, Ortiz in that fight. Final thing, Paul. Before I do leave you to enjoy the rest of your day, what would you like to say to everybody who does tune in to watch our interview? Yeah, everyone, just stay at home, listen to what the NHS are saying, and and hopefully all this is over and done with before we know it, and we're all back in the gym and we're all doing what we love and everyone's back to normality. Well, Paul, that's well said and we'll leave that there now. appreciate you catching up with me for a second time because of a yeah. previous technical issue, but it's been good to catch up with you as always. appreciate the time. Thanks, Speeds Boxing Social, and hopefully see you in the near future. Cheers, mate. Stay safe. You too, mate. Michaela Mayer, thank you for joining us on Seconds Out. And, um, thank you for having me. No problem. I um, just want to start from the very start. What, what first got you into the sport of boxing and, and how old were you? Um, I started somewhat late. I was 17 when I first walked into a gym and it was actually a Muay Thai kickboxing gym. So I did Muay Thai for about a year and then transitioned to my first boxing fight at 18. But um, I was just sort of at a point where I was in my fourth high school by my senior year. And I just kind of had this epiphany that I just wanted to be good at something. I wanted to be successful. And so I think it started with just the idea of, let me try something new. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. So uh, I was like, let me try something new. So I just 
walking, there was a Muay Thai gym by my house that I had seen for years and walked in, asked how much to sign myself up. It was a hundred bucks. So I ran across the street to the ATM and pulled out my last hundred bucks out of my bank account. And I mean, I went from going three days a week to asking if I could go six days a week and to the guys' classes too. I just kind of like fell in love with the challenge of the sport. And I knew within a month that I wanted to be the best female fighter in the world. And I told myself that. What was the plan in terms of a career before boxing came into your life? What, what were you going to be? I don't know. I mean, that's why that was sort of my epiphany. I was like, what am I doing? They, you know, they said I wasn't going to graduate in time. I was going to be in school for another year. And I just felt like I was always meant for more to do more than that in my life. And I really didn't know what it was. But um, when I found boxing, I just found my passion. I found something I was passionate about. And even then you can ask me, well, what did you expect to do in boxing? How do you expect to have a career? Because when I first started, women were not yet allowed to compete in the Olympics. And there was no, like, pro boxing for women was just, at that point, was past Mia St. John and Leila Ali days. It was at this, like, stagnant point where you weren't going to get signed or get fights. People who were pro at that time were maybe getting one fight a year. So I didn't know. I just knew that I, would, I had found my passion. This is what I wanted to do. And I would figure it out. I just figured I would be the exception if I just kept working at it and, and kept driving out of path. Is the, the situation at the time with the women's pro game that you've just talked about, is that one of the reasons why you decided to hang around and try to qualify for 2016? You narrowly missed out on 2012, didn't you? Yeah, I lost in the finals of Olympic trials for 2012. But, you know, I had only been boxing 18. I was only 22 at that point. So I knew that I still had so much more to learn in the sport. And, I remember walking into the back room after losing in 2012 trials and I was crying and I think I deviated my septum and I was, I was pissed, but like I sat down there and I'm like, I immediately knew that I was going to go for 2016. There's just no question in my mind. What's your experience from your recollection of the Olympics in Rio and, and the kind of good and bad of it? To be honest, the, the Olympics was not the best experience for me. Um, I think that one of the important things about the Olympics is you really have to be peaking. Everything has to be coming together for you at that particular time. And it just wasn't for me. I wasn't peaking at that time. There was some issues going on with my family being there that distracted me. They warned you about, you know, all those distractions that come along with the Olympics. And, you know, I didn't get my medal. I didn't get the endorsements or sponsors that I thought I had set myself up for. Um, and I kind of realized that, <clears throat> you know, these, these sponsors, the endorsement deals, they were going to gymnastics and track and field and swimming and these very Americanized sports. And so I really just didn't get everything I wanted out of it. And it put me um, in kind of a slump for a while, which I think most people go through after the Olympics, like, okay, what now? And then I'm right back training for nationals, you know, like, okay, am I going to do this for another four years? Like, what if I do that? And then I don't make another Olympic team. It's hard. Or if I make it and then I still don't get everything I expected to get from it and so I really had to take the time to go okay like I'm 26 now let me, I need to take a risk I need to go in another direction take a risk and try and um, develop my career my brand in a different way because amateur boxing is difficult you're traveling the world you're fighting everywhere all the time but no one really sees you fight it's hard to build a following and a fan base and um, just a brand that I was wanting to build for myself that I always knew I had to build if I wanted a career in the sport so I considered going to MMA and I was gonna, no one was offering me a contract after the Olympics. Like they were my 
male teammates, you know, so I really considered, I had an offer from Bellator and I was going to go in that direction. I figured, all right, yeah, that's going to suck. I'm going to start from scratch. I don't want to get kicked in the head, but I also need to develop my career more. And uh, I sat down with top rank last minute and kind of stars all aligned. And I'm like, thank God I didn't go to MMA. <laughs> must feel a bit unfair because you obviously medaled at the world championships, which is arguably the more difficult tournament than the Olympics, but it just doesn't come with that same cachet that leads to the profile and the sponsorship opportunities. Yeah, it doesn't. And even like turning pro is a risk being a female because like, I was, I'm top ranks only female right now. And they kind of took a risk with me, but I sat down. I feel like I sat down in their office, Todd above, and I had to sell myself to him. I'm like, I know there's no market for women's boxing right now, but if there's someone who can change that, it's me. And like, he kind of believed in the vision that I had. And I think just because I believed in it so much, it helped him to believe in it. And it's been great. I mean, I feel I'm really happy with how they've been moving me. I've been fighting regularly. You know, it's not like a lot of the other women who've, get, who've been put in the shelf in the past and not getting fights and they've really done a good job. So um, the risk was worth the reward in this case. You must be delighted with the ESPN deal with top rank as well because of the exposure that brings. Yeah. And I, when we, they just did that deal right when I signed with them. So I was yeah. like, this is great because I was an MMA fan because guess what? You can go to Buffalo Wild Wings or any bar or restaurant and be like, hey, turn on the MMA fights. And it was just, it wasn't possible to do that with boxing. Like it was on HBO or Showtime and it's, it's difficult to get that. And so ESPN is accessible everywhere. And I was like, that's perfect. That's, that's the best network to be on for, in my opinion. Tell us a little bit about your training setup. So who you train with and, and where and what your training looks like. I uh, have two coaches. So I have Coach Al Mitchell, who I've been with since before the first Olympic trials, over 10 years now. Um, and he lives up in northern Michigan, which I lived there for five years training for the Olympics. When I made the team, I moved here to Colorado. And uh, I still, I stayed in Colorado. So after I turned pro, I figured, you know, you have the altitude here. You have plenty of sparring partners. Coach K is my second coach who um, has been the assistant coach for USA Boxing for years. And so what we'll do is we'll train here. I'll join their camps, which is really convenient. I live down the street from the training center. And then um, three weeks out, Coach Al will usually come out here. He's, he's more of the strategist, right? So when he comes out here, I'm already in shape. We pick up the interval running and pick up the sparring and kind of just really zone in on the game plan, which is what he's, you know, a genius and a legend at. So it uh, works out pretty good. It's good to have two coaches. Now the WBC number one, super featherweight. There were a few rumors kind of flying around that you were disappointed that Terry Harper got the last shot at Eva Wallstrom rather than yourself. Any truth in that? Oh, yeah, there's definitely truth in that. We were trying to nail down a fight with Ava Wallstrom for a few fights. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Finally, we were in negotiation with her, and it kind of just got – kind of just all kind of shocked us when they announced that, you know, the, the fight – they gave it to Terry. But um, I want the fight. Those are, that's, business, that's business. That's stuff that's done between promoters that I don't really get to see. You know, I was just sitting there hoping that we could finally get this world title fight secured because we have been trying to get one for the last year and it's been pretty difficult but in my opinion these girls are just letting me get better and better like I feel like I'm peaking I'm I feel great I feel and I just I'm ready for the title shots when they come I know they'll come eventually and hopefully 
sooner than later, but I was definitely disappointed when I didn't get the fight against Ava Wallstrom, for sure. And the situation now, I mean, did you watch uh, Wallstrom against Harper? Yeah, I watched it in bits and pieces because the network kept going in and out, but yeah, I did watch. <laughs> Take that design. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, what did you make? What did you make for her performance? Because for me, I thought it was going to be a much closer fight than it turned out to be. Yeah, I, I didn't. I actually, my money was on Terry because I never really was too impressed by Ava Wallstrom. I think she held on to this title for a long time by, you know, when women's boxing really wasn't at its peak. And props to her, you know, she did it for a long time. But I was ready to go in there and take that from her. And I expected Terry to too. I think Terry is a solid boxer. You know, she doesn't have a lot of ton of bad habits. Good, stays behind the jab good one too and she's taller and longer and I think that Ava Wallstrom doesn't know how to really fight moving forward or backwards she only knows how to fight when you're right in front of her and so with Terry's height and reach I just it's, I, I expected she would outbox her like she did. Interesting you mentioned the height and reach because you're one of the few women out there who would have those advantages over Terry Harper if you two were, were to meet. That's something you'd look at in terms of planning your strategy or you know, what's the edge? Um, strategy is something that we take really seriously. It's like, and a lot of people, maybe don't, they, it's not their thing. They just go in there and do them, but Coach Al's huge on it. And so when he comes into camp, I mean, we take weeks to go over the strategy and sometimes we'll change it. We'll work on it for a couple of weeks and be like, you know what? We're not going to box that. We're going to do this instead. So that's something I would go over there with him. But ultimately I'm tall. I have a good job too, but I just think I'm a little bit fiercer than Terry Harper. I got a lo I got a lot more experience, I think. and um, there's something that comes over me when I fight that I just, I just go into kill mode. Like I take chances and uh, I think she is a little bit more on the safe side. So like, I just feel I would take it to her. Is it a fight that you'd be willing to come over to the UK for? I'm sure we'd love to see you. I would love to come over to the UK to fight eventually, but, uh, definitely not going to put myself in, in a, in a, unfair advantage so that's something that the promoters will have to deal with eventually i'm going to do whatever my promoter tells me to do and my manager and my team we all work really together and really good together we all always end up being on the same page so i mean if that's what i gotta do then i guess that we'll do that but i think that that's something that's not going to happen right away i don't terry hasn't offered me the fight she's mentioned multiple times that they have other mandatories um so is eddie hearn so i just don't see myself being their first pick to to defend to for her to defend her title um but we're looking to maybe go after or we have been going after uh a brodnika so wbo belt yeah i mean i definitely plan on having a belt terry i know terry wants to be undisputed but she's gonna have to get through me to get one of those belts because we're getting we're getting a belt this year who or what is the ultimate goal the female pro game for you which is there a belt you want to win is there someone you want to fight what's the, the ultimate dream um the plan right now this has been the plan for the last couple of years is to become a world champion at 130 um i wasn't thinking that it was gonna be possible to go undisputed because it's so hard to get these fights but now sort of everything is coming together women's boxing really picked up and i have a really i have a stacked weight division it's fun and exciting and it's pr proven to be so the last year so I'm hoping to get to become undisputed. If, if I can get these fights in a decent amount of time, then I would love to go and fight every single one of these girls who have who have these belts and unify the 130 title, but or one the 130 division, and so that I can go up to 135.
Do you think there's an opportunity in female boxing in the US, similar to five years ago or however long it was for Ronda Rousey in MMA, to really cross over into the mainstream? I do, and I always, I always thought that I would be the one to do that. Like, only because I don't like to half-ass anything, you know? Like, I, I care about this sport. I put a lot of work into this sport. I want to be the best. I want to create a path for this next generation of girls coming up, which is just insane. Like, the amount of girls you see in the gym these days, their talent, how young they're starting. It's just so different, and they, they need to have a path. So I want to be able to do that, cross over into mainstream, yeah, and sort of just do what I can to really – develop women's boxing um can't let it fall off again like it did but I think the talent pool is just so deep now that it's impossible tell us a bit about your life away from boxing I know it takes up vast majority of your attention but what what sort of stuff do you get up to when you're not training and fighting well um I live in Colorado now I'm originally from LA but um kind of I'm kind of digging being outside the city or I love the nature um like this week, I've been fishing, shooting, just spending a lot of time outside camping. I have two dogs, so we just like to spend a lot of time doing outdoorsy, fun things. Brilliant. Just before <laughs> we let you go, um, for people that want to kind of follow the journey while it's still early on, how can people find you on the various forms of social media? Um, Instagram is my is my main go-to. Um, I'm on Instagram a lot all day, so <laughs> uh, if you want to follow my career, you know, see what I'm like outside the ring, uh, especially in quarantine. I think my Instagram has gotten a little out of control. <laughs> but uh, at Michaela Mayer. Excellent. Well, really appreciate your time. It's really good of you. Um, Thank you. Hopefully we'll see you in the UK sometime in the future. Yep, hopefully soon. Yo guys, Fuadia back on Behind the Gloves with another news update, keeping you guys up to date with all things combat. Now, lightweight Devin Haney, or lightweight champ I should say, Devin Haney, has been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons uh, as of late. His uh, quote, I will never let a white boy beat me, really did not go down well with a lot of the fans, uh, like it shouldn't have, because in my opinion, it was a completely wrong thing and out of order thing to say. Uh, even though I did, do feel like he had no uh, intent of racism behind it, it's just completely out of order to say such a thing. Um, but anyway, you know, Devin originally defended his tweet saying, you know, he had nothing behind it. He was just saying it. But now he has put out this statement and apologized. This is what he has had to say. Over the, over the last couple of days, I've had time to reflect on a lot. I sincerely regret using a term that I have now learned to be derogatory to many of my fans, friends and associates. I have learned a valuable lesson and I will continue to show the kind of person that I really am and will continue my quest for greatness inside and outside the ring. Um, and there you can see it's a very genuine statement. From what I've seen of Devin when he's been around um, everyone in the boxing scene, he, uh, he's a very down to earth uh, kid and I, and I had a good feeling that this was just a, a, a really silly mistake on his behalf. I had, I had, I was, a lot of people were sure this had no racism behind it, but it was just completely the wrong thing to say, completely out of order. But there you have it. He's now taken in um, 
into consideration how it would affect other people and has apologized a sincere apology and uh, we can move on from this now there you have it guys keep up to date with all the content that we're posting on the channel uh, and subscribe so you don't miss a thing hey five fans it's michelle joy phelps if you haven't already subscribed to my youtube channel make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video and we also have a free app available on itunes and google play so make sure you go ahead and download that bye five fans Famous Galapad, where dreams come true. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm not sure who for, but we won't go into that right now. How have you been kind of maintaining your training while all this craziness has been going on in the outside world? Do you know what, Danny? I live across the road from the gym. <laughs> I'm running the gym and I've been training every... To me, it really hasn't been much difference because I've been training in the morning, training at night. You know, um, obviously you can't do no sparring and, and certain things like that, but... Everything else you can still do. You can still go in there, share the box. You can still do your footwork, runs, bikes, you know, strength training. You can do everything in there. How relieved are you now with all this going on? We don't know how long it's going to last. That You managed to get a fight in at the start of the year. I know. I was thinking that. You know, before I was just thinking that's crazy. And like, I think, when was the last show? Was the last show when... I think it was like the end of February or beginning of, I think beginning of March they started being cancelled. I know. Mad, is it? It's mad. I'm just lucky, and I'm just lucky. I just boxed before it all. You know, I got my mandatory shot, and uh, now it's just uh, I'm just waiting, waiting for my time. How do you assess the Claudio Marrero fight? A lot of people calling it your best ever performance. Yeah, it was it was a good performance, uh, Danny. But you know, I think there's I've got way more gears than that. You know, the the higher I step up, you know, the better performances you'll see. Obviously, you had that. Um fight of Josh Warrington, your first world title shot. So far, your only defeat, of contentious defeat, I think it's fair yeah. to say. Do you look back on it now and think there's things you could have done differently or more to make it clear to everyone that you won? Yeah, listen, Danny, I honestly believe I've, I've won that fight 100%. And I honestly believe he knows I won that fight because, you know, just... When, I've, when I'm talking to him, when I've seen him at the, uh, the fight in Manchester, just the way he was and everything, you know, you know, as a fighter, you know when someone's been beaten, you know when someone's beat you. And I know for a million percent, he knows that I beat him that night. And um, he, he's going to try, he's going to try and get out of it. He, he's going to try and make some form of excuse. Because look, at the end of the day, if he wanted them big fights, he could have went to top rank. And he could have got the Shakur Stevenson fight and the Oscar Valdez fight and the, you know, whoever else he's got. He's got the WBC champion. He's got the other WBO champion. So, you know, I don't I don't really think he wants the fight. I think he's just saying he wants the fight. He wants everything on his terms, you know. And, um, you know, he's not in that, he's not in the AJ category where you can, you know, all the Mayweather categories where, you know, you're a shot caller and you can say, you know, You've got Mayweather, you remember Mayweather fought his way up there. Mayweather got in that position, you know, after beating, you know, how many fighters, you know, in his career. You know, Josh Warrington's best win is Lee Selby. You know, and, and he was dead at the way. Other than that, who else, you know, who else? Carl Frampton, Carl Frampton's half dead. You know, he, he, he's, uh, he's about 45. So, you know, other than that, you know. Who's his best win? But, you know, for some reason, he thinks, you know, he's 
he's in that category with them kind of guys and he's not, you know, he's not generating that kind of money what they generate. All that aside, though, and you're your own harshest critic, when you look back on the fight, do you think you could have done anything differently to win a mile, basically? So there was no... The only way, the only way I had won that night is if I, if I had knocked him out. It was announced during the lockdown that Warrington's next fight is going to be against Can Zhu, which they're hoping is going to be a unification if Zhu gets elevated to WBA super champion. Is yeah. that frustrating for you that it might mean a bit of a wait? No, not really, because because the, they're saying because the, they're saying it's done doesn't mean it's done, does it? You know, I could say I could tell you that I'm fighting, you know, um, Muhammad Ali, <laughs> Muhammad Ali next, but obviously, you know. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I'm fighting him. Doesn't mean the fight's actually through, is it? You know, uh, we'll have to speak. We'll have to see. See what happens. You know, the WBA have to make him a, a, a super champion. You know, and the thing is, is that really an exciting fight? How can you go from saying you want to fight Oscar Valdez, Shakur Stevenson, all these big names, to fighting a guy nobody knows who he is, who's not even a champion? He's a regular champion. He's not even a world champ. So you know you can't you can't go from one. So after my fight, you know, he went and boxed. I don't even know who he went and boxed, but I don't even know who the kid was. Nobody knows who he was. You know you can't you can't say oh yeah you want to fight these kids these big names, and then go and fight people like the kid he boxed in his last fight, and then now he wants to go and fight a guy who's not even a world champion. They're gonna make him a world champion to to make him into you know what I mean? It, it don't make sense. You know I think he's just a good talker. There's a positive side, though, that if that fight does come off and Josh gets through it, you could then have the rematch for two belts rather than one. No, he won't. He's not going to fight me. He'll vacate. He'll vacate and, and you know, he'll say, oh, you want a bigger fight. You know, but the, um, he'll, he'll try it. You know, I think hopefully, you know, the WBA don't make him into a champ and, you know, he's got to fight me for the IBF. And, you know, and this time it's going to completely be a different fight. You know, I'm going to absolutely splatter him. Um, he does vacate, as you predicted just now. Who's next in the IBF rankings? Who would you have to fight? I don't really know. You know, I, I haven't really seen, but I'm not really concentrating on that. What I'm concentrating is, you know, um, beating Josh Warrington because he's the champ. How personal is it between you and Josh now? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I, to me, it's not really personal. To him, it might be personal because, you know, uh, people are left, right, slagging off saying he got beat by someone. You know, be by me, and you know, he probably when he's walking around Leeds, you know, people are saying, yeah, but you need to go, on, you need to go and be that kid, you know, the last time. And you know, it, for him, I, I just think I'm in his head. I really do. I really do. Look, Danny, when you know someone, when you know as a fighter you've been beat, you just know. You know, and I know for a fact he knows, and his dad knows, and he's gonna try and make excuses and say, oh yeah, you know. You know, he wants to go this direction and this di do this and do that. But listen, hopefully, you know, the IBF will stick to the rules and regulations. Obviously, if WBA make him a super champ, then they make that kid a super champ. It might it might come off, it might not. You know, but hopefully it doesn't come off. And he's got to fight me. Do you think you're the best fighter in Britain who's yet to win a world title? Yes, 100%. Me and Dillian White. You know, um, I believe, you know, this year, I will 100% win a world title. And, uh, you know, I believe Dillian White will, will probably win a world title. Hopefully, you know, in the when he gets a shot, you know, it might be next year. 
here next year. What are your remaining goals in the sport? Obviously, the world title is the most important thing. But after that, is it unifying? Is it moving through the weights? What What's your kind of dream? Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what? For me, I, I'm, I'm just looking one step at a time, Danny. I don't really look that far ahead. Let me just get this world title, win it, and then we'll see where the options is. Because look, at the end of the day, Danny, like Joe Kawasaki, he had to have 20 defences or 10 defences, whatever it was, before he got a unification fight. And that's just how it is. Everyone's career is different. You know, you might get someone, they have one fight and then they have a unification fight. You know, but you don't, I don't, I don't ever look at myself and think other people's career. I was just thinking one step at a time. Let me just get this and then we'll see what the options is from there. You know, you don't know, you know, um, I could end up getting, you know, the Gary Russell Jr. fight. I might get another, you know, another, another champion. You don't, you just don't really know. Just before I let you go, how much are you missing the lads from the gym and Dom and, and who are you missing the most? I'm missing all of them. <laughs> I'm missing all the boys because, you know, it's when you're training by yourself, it's boring. It's so fucking boring. And, you know, <laughs> just going in there. Yeah, obviously, you've got to go in and do what you've got to do. But when you're by yourself, it's, I don't know how fighters just train by themselves. You know, you need to have other people around you and other fighters just to... Yeah, yeah. You wasn't the only one in your family that was affected by the lockdown. Uh, your brother Gamal was due to fight in Italy for the EBU European title. Yeah. How good it as well was you for him that he didn't get that chance and that opportunity to do so? Yeah, it was good for him. Um, I was planning obviously to qualify to to do well in these qualifiers, and then I booked my ticket to Italy. Um, to Verona, my friends had booked all theirs. My, some of my family. 
Um, yeah, we was all ready to go over to Italy and support Gamal, and I'm sure he would have come back with the with his total. But um, yeah, it's um, it's just it's just what's happened, and I guess you just gotta just get on with it because it's not just us that are in this boat. It's um, not just everyone in Britain. It's like it's affected the whole world. So you, you can't be selfish and just think about yourself. You you gotta think about everyone else as well. And, yeah, you just gotta get on with it and just when when boxing and the world just carry on like like normal, I'm sure it'll put it right. Gamal's obviously had a difficult few years now, tearing both of his biceps, and now he's fight yeah. being suspended or postponed uh, back in March for the European title. Is there a pressure? Do you feel on him to make up for that lost time from the bicep injuries? Now, however many months he'll end up losing because of this. Yeah, kind of. Um, but he's he he will stay positive. Um, he's good enough to win these titles. Um, he has had bad luck over the last few years, but um, you you just gotta get through these things. It it's boxing and not even just boxing in life. You, you come across and you you have these um these bad things happen, but you just have to get on with it. I think when they saw this goes away, I think um he'll go and win the European title and then he can push on and and. Hopefully he can win a world title and then he can can really show people what he's all about. I mean, obviously your other brother, Cal, I know you wasn't out there, but he recently suffered his first career of, uh, first defeat of his career rather, at the hands of Roman Gonzalez or Chocolatito, as more people will know him. What did you make of the fight? Oh yeah, I was gutted, um, as you can imagine. Um it's not a nice thing to, to see and a good thing to watch, obviously. But again, it's, that's just boxing. Um, obviously, uh, Roman Gonzalez is a legend in the sport. He's someone I've looked up to and someone I'll, I'll continue to watch. Um, I ain't watched him recently because <laughs> I've been beating my brother, but um, he's someone who I've always looked up to and I love his style of boxing. I love I love everything about him. And um, yeah, it was horrible um, to watch him fight my brother. and. Um, but that's just boxing, and Cal would Cal wouldn't make any excuses. Like you said, the better man won, um, and he just got to move on now, and he he'll look to go up a weight, and hopefully, God willing, win another world title that way and become a two weight world champion. So, um, yeah, he's just he's boxing, and just got to move on, and just just do what you can to improve and get better. What did you feel went wrong, or just didn't click for Cal on the night? Was he that he 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 kind of rushed in and by trading levers a lot sooner than what people would have expected. You know, before the fight, a lot of people were just saying, if you maybe just stuck to boxing on the back foot for the first four or five rounds, allowing Roman to naturally tire, and then putting it on him, it would have worked better. What, what was your thoughts with regards to what just went wrong for Cal on the night? No, I, I don't think he, he should have gone on the back foot early on. Um, people don't understand who haven't really boxed before. Um, when you're in there and you're going on the back foot, against someone who's predominantly coming forward, who's an attacking fighter, who's always going to be on you, it's even worse. Like, I'm, I'm a fighter who goes forward a lot, and I love it when people are running away. If they're coming at me and they're having to go with me, it's harder. Um, so I don't think he should have he should, he should have um, moved more at the start because he would have just been more vulnerable. Because you see when he started to do that towards the end, he started getting caught more. Um, I think he was just a better man. And I think... I don't want to talk about Cal's weight too much, but Cal, Cal's always struggled with his weight and 
against someone like Gonzalez, if you start to tie out, he's just going to tear you apart. And that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. And it happened to Carl. And I just think you just got to learn his lesson now. He's going to go up away. He'll be stronger, he'll be better. And hopefully he can put it right. I've spoken to Carl on numerous occasions since I thought we was on the same flight back together. Um, what what have your discussions been with him? I know you weren't there on the night of the fight because you had your you know your prepara- preparations for the Olympic mm. qualifiers going on. What have you said to Carl since while well, you're in first discussion, like after the fight? He just told me we just he, he just felt his legs were done straight away. He, he, he said to me my legs were gone before the fight. Um, I don't know if it's something down to him making weight. He's never he's always struggled, as you probably know. With weight making, um, no excuses though. Cal, Cal hasn't looked great his last few fights, and I think that is down to his weight making. Um, and it was only it was only going to tell when he fought someone like Gonzalez, who's an unbelievable fighter. But we haven't spoke too much on it. Um, he, I saw everything. I watched the yeah, so I know what what happened. Obviously, um, he's just it's, it's boxing, isn't it? Um, he just said he was struggling. He struggled with his with his weight a bit, like he always does. It and and he's an unbelievable fighter. So he put two and two together, and you get what happened. So that's just, that's just boxing. He and Eddie have both said the next plan is to move up to bantamweight now. Knowing you yeah. are the dominant force there, how do you feel, Cal Warfare up there? I think Cal Cal will be better at bantamweight. Um, Obviously, anyway, he's a tremendous fighter. Um, you wouldn't want to go straight in there with someone like him. Um, you probably get one or two, two or three fights at that weight, and then you'd um, you'd you'd look at getting a world title shot. Um, but yeah, a, a new way is pound for pound, and a new way is the number one in that division. So, if I was going up to that division, I wouldn't be looking to fight him um, too quick. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens at the weight. I think Cal will be a lot better. I know. It'll impress a lot of people that way. Have you all, how have you all been keeping in touch with each other then? What have you been up to to try and take each other's minds off of boredom? Well, we have just been speaking on FaceTime, uh, calling each other. I speak to all my family um, and friends. Um, but yeah, we've just been playing FIFA, really. We've just been smashing Gamal. I've played Cal once, but uh, Gamal beat him a few times. Well, Galal, I'll leave you to enjoy the rest of your evening now. Ciao, um, mate. Appreciate you giving up some time though and speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Best of luck with everything that comes in the coming months. Hopefully everything does plan out the way that you'd like it to. And I'll see you soon. Uh, thank you for Boxing Social. Anytime, Andy, mate. I'll speak to you soon, all right? Well, cheers, Galal.